Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Streamed and Screened, an entertainment podcast about movies and TV from Lee Enterprises. I'm Terry Lipschatz, a senior producer at Lee and co-host of the program with Bruce Miller, editor of the Sioux City Journal and a longtime entertainment reporter. Bruce, we're back again. I know this is going to sound a little bit like a line out of a James Bond movie, but it appears we've lived to die another day. Oh, you're good. You are good. That's a good one. Um, so will I get this all the time now? Will I get lines from movies? Are you are you practicing that really well? Again, you know, this is this is seems to be a weekly thing right now until the the big wigs decide to, to pull us off the air. So we'll 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 keep it going for as long as they let us. But it sounds like you know we had a we had a, a good I think we had a good first episode. It came out pretty well, and people got to know who you are, and yeah. hopefully they'll see where we sit in terms of what we like. Exactly. And speaking of things we like, I saw two films that I really mm, on the fence. Really, this last week, yeah, eighty for Brady. Come on, you know, again, these are those films that I, you know, they're pitched to a certain audience, namely grandma. Right. And it has really no plot. It's so stupid. You get the what I call the Mount Rushmore of actresses because, you know, Jane Fonda, Sally Field, Lily Tomlin, Rita Moreno, five Oscars out of that bunch. OK. And you just throw them into odd situations and hope that they can find a plot. Well, there is none. There is none. It's four friends who go to the Super Bowl and then realize their tickets are bogus and they've got to figure out how can we get in because we love Tom Brady. Um, and that's it. That's the premise. That's the plot. It's so stupid. But Tom Brady does show up in the film and they get a chance to meet him. Of course, that's, oh my God, we met Tom Brady. But you think, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I think they're a little higher on the totem pole of celebrity than Tom Brady is. I know that Tom is a god for a lot of people, but if you were saying, I, I'm going to give you Jane Fonda or Tom Brady, who would you like to talk to? Right. I'd take Jane Fonda. Sure. Now, I, I'm a I'm a huge football fan. Are you one of those Brady haters? Yes. I'm okay. a, I'm a I'm a from out east. So I'm a New York Giants fan. And and I do like to uh, point out the fact that that Eli Manning is two and against Tom Brady in Super Bowls. But if you told me that those five actors are in a movie, would you go see it without telling me what movie it is? I'm 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 all over that. I'm thinking, well, that sounds great. Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda. I love that. Right. But you tell me it's an, a Tom Brady movie and, and it's kind of a cheesy one. I, I'm with you. I, I can tell you right now that there's probably a 0% chance I will ever see that movie. Well, it'll make money. It'll make money. And probably for those who don't want to watch the Super Bowl, it's an alternative. Correct. Right? Yeah. So they get, a, they get a chance. And they're funny in places, but not, not totally funny. Sure. And, you know, come on, Tom is a stiff. He sits there, he talks with them. And you think, all right, if four old ladies came to the Super Bowl, they lost their tickets, wouldn't the media be all over this? Wouldn't they say, here are four women whose life goal was to go to the Super Bowl and see Tom Brady. They wearing shirts that say 80 for Brady. Come on, you got to give them a ticket. The media comes into this nowhere at all. And so- <laughs> The idea of playing that kind of card doesn't exist. They go gambling one night. They eat hot wings at another time. It's just, and then there's this really sad, sad element where Jane Fonda is 
trying to be a real sex pod and she's mm-hmm. written like fan fiction about Gronk. And okay. so her hot one is I've got to meet Gronk. And then they have her kind of read from her books at the Super Bowl. This is a, something I really want to go to. I really want to sit and watch a reading about my Gronk fan fiction wow. and have her. Um, she finally does. I'm spoiler alerting. So just know she does get to meet Gronk. And then you think this is kind of, I don't know, kind of unsavory. You got a woman in her 80s going after a football player. I mean, it happens, but it just seemed real weird. And then it ends. There's always that kind of angle that, huh, I learned from these old ladies and they helped me win the Super Bowl. That's kind of the moral of the story. Okay. Well, yeah, it's a hard pass for me. Right. So I think we're good. But that I saw and then knock at the cabin. And okay. this is an M. Night Shyamalan film. So, you know, you always think, oh, they're dead. They're all dead people. That's what it is. But ever since ever since Sixth Sense, it, you know, they all haven't had that little twist right. um, in this one. There's this family in a cabin that looks like it's so far away from reality. Um, they'll never get help. And these four people show up on their on their porch and mm. say they've got to choose to kill one of the three people because it's causing this massive disaster that's occurring all over the world. And it will be the end of the world as we know it if they don't kill one of themselves. Now, it's interesting. Dave yeah. Batista, you must have remembered him from um, uh, Gardens of the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Um, is the leader of this bunch that comes to the door. And he's very nice. He's not like threatening or anything like we're going to kill you because they seem like some doomsday cult that's coming in, but they show stuff on the television where, you know, plague, pestilence, everything is happening. Um, there's a virus that's going around. There's a tsunami. Planes are crashing. So there is the thought that maybe something is going on beyond our cabin. And we're so far from everything, they don't have really um, a way to call people. Their cell service is for crap. Um, So they have to decide, do we have to kill somebody to stop this? Or do we try to kill these people because they're crazy? (laughs) That's interesting. I haven't seen an M. Night movie in a really long time. I'm I'm trying to think, because he... He'd done some things. There were a bunch of people that aged very quickly on the beach, and I can't think of the name of that one. Yeah. Um, but he had a number of them. Signs is another one. He Signs or, I uh, saw. Yeah, there, there's a lot that he's had in his career, but they all weren't like Sixth Sense. That was kind of the thing that gave him a profile, and I'm sure has kept him in business this long. Right. Because people say, oh, there's going to be a twist. There's going to be a twist. And there always isn't. The only thing you can count on is that he appears in every movie somewhere. And he is. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, the one the one for me that sticks out in my head, uh, it, it was one of his earlier ones. It was the one that took place in was it called The Village? It, it was the one that took place in the village where you think it's in the 1800s. And right. But I remember watching that movie. And like a minute into the movie, they show a scene and there's a broom on the porch or a rake or something. And I'm like, that that rake looks way too modern to be 1800s. And I kind of figured out the plot about two minutes into it. And I'm just kind of waiting and like, OK, it's really modern times, isn't it? You know, and, and it, it finally built up to that point. And I just 
it, it wasn't a great movie for me. I mean, I've I've always enjoyed going to see his movies, but yeah, as you said, they're they're kind of the same after a while, and I I haven't seen anything new from him really. I think though, this is that time of year when those kind of films get uh get an audience. Yeah. Because there isn't really a lot of, they're not pulling out the big next year Oscar nominees because sure. they're still trying to get rid of the ones from the last year. And people are then going, we've got to go see the, these films because maybe they'll win. Maybe they'll be the best picture of the year. And um, so then they throw in a lot of horror films and they'll throw a lot of those kind of dopey comedies um, there may be an action fit. You know, Liam Neeson is made for this time of year. Usually he's like saving some kid from some evil bunch of people. And no, I will, I will kill you. You know, that kind of stuff. And you think, okay, it's Liam time. But um, yeah, so this isn't really your, your quality period of time for new films. And I think that's why we see these ones. But this is better than most of M. Night Shyamalan stuff. Okay. But it isn't the greatest. Okay. Well, I, I think I might, maybe maybe I'll just wait on that one to stream. That might be a red box. That's a streamer. That's a streamer. Well, moving off of films then, uh, back to TV. We talked a little bit last week about Night Court and the news Night this Court, week. Lacrita, my Lacrita. Yeah. Yes. yes. So you, you have an interview with Lacrita, which we'll get to shortly. But uh, the news, I, I just saw this a day or so ago, Night Court, renewed renewed already for season two they were so shocked they thought they were reading the wrong the results on the ratings the ratings were through the roof it was like unbelievable so there is an audience for people to want to see some of those old concepts but it wasn't like you talked you brought the whole cast back and you said we're redoing it um this isn't fuller house right Uh, this is this is a change, a shift of sorts. Mm-hmm. And since Harry Anderson is dead, it really was like, well, how are we going to do that? Just bring in another goofy guy and have him do stuff. They brought in his daughter, played by Melissa Rausch. And she she's the producer of the show. So this was a concept she thought could work. And it seems it is. Yeah, I and I, I like her. I, I enjoyed her on Big Bang Theory. And she fits that role that Harry, you know, it feels like a Harry Anderson type of character on the show. I, I went through and watched the first few episodes over the last couple of days. And to me, it, it feels like night court. It's not trying too hard to be old night court. It's right. it's setting its own thing, but it feels like an extension of night court. And it, it, to me, at least it works. I enjoyed the original show and I'm, at least for now, I'm going to stick with it. Well, and if you were a fan of the original, some of the people who made appearances in that original one come back. Wendy Malik, if you saw the episode with her, she plays this woman who's kind of got a relationship with John Larroquette. If you haven't right. seen that one, yet, um, there will be people like that kind of making their way through the series. So I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Yeah, and I, I like the concept too, because you couldn't, it would be kind of ridiculous to bring the whole cast back from the original because Bull, he's like 80 years old in real life. You can't be an 80 year old bailiff in a courtroom. So it, it's it kind of made sense. John Larroquette, multiple Emmy Awards with the original. He was kind of the the star of the show. I know it's an ensemble cast, but it always kind of focused around Dan Fielding. 
And the way they brought him back where he's retired, he's no longer a prosecutor, he's serving, you know, warrants and, and, and you know, serving people. And, and he just kind of comes into this role where he's going to be the defense attorney, which is, of course, you know, everything against what he stood for right. in the original series. And it kind of works. And and I, I feel like it's a good it's a good role for him. I think audiences will remember him as a character, but it kind of moves the plot forward. Now, do you remember he won four Emmy Awards yep. for that part and then said, I'm not putting my name in submission for another one because it is fair. And so I was able to talk to him uh, after this reboot. And he said, well, no, I'm not going to do that this time. So <laughs> he could get a nomination for Best Supporting Actor if he really wants it. I don't know. But that is interesting, that concept of uh, of deciding if you're going to be nominated. And others have play that same role you know there was a tv show on on hulu this last year called reboot and i don't know if you got to see that but yeah. it was done by the people behind modern family and they decided they would do a series about what if we bring back the whole cast of a series that was successful in the 70s or 80s and so they bring them back and you see that these people are still screwed up i thought it was very funny it had johnny knoxville in it okay. um people Keegan Michael Key. Am I getting that right? Yeah. So yeah. Keegan Michael Key. Right. And um, Judy Greer. I mean, okay. a, a lot of fun people were in it. And what's really clever about that series is that there was a kid in the show, but he's no longer a kid. And now as an adult, you see kind of the goofy things he does, but it showed a really good behind the scenes look at how difficult it is to try and reboot things. Right. Because they don't naturally work. No. You know, before we get to the interview, I, I figured we might take a few moments just to chat through some of the recent reboots. This week, um, Magnum P.I. is moving. And Magnum was a reboot. And they were really freaked that they would have a guy without a mustache. And <laughs> there was a big talk about, are we going to put Jay Hernandez with a mustache? Or is he going to be a new character? And they figured, well, if we're going to do a reboot, with a Magnum-like guy who looked like Tom Selleck, mm -hmm. then why wouldn't we just get Tom Selleck? You know, right. it doesn't make sense. So they went in another direction. And now when they move from CBS to NBC, they're doing big changes. Um, there's going to be more mm, adult content than there was okay. before. Uh, it'll be more of a romance than it was before. Mm. They're all fine with it. They think that's a good way to go. But they were shocked that they were dropped because they were doing well in the ratings. So there's one for you. That's a uh, a shift that's happening in the in the marketplace. All right, which ones do you remember that you thought were good or bad? Well, you know, so I was a huge fan in the in the '90s of X Files, and I, I watched that pretty much from start to finish. Even when uh, they they went through some cast changes, and David Duchovny left, and and Gillian Anderson left, uh, I, I I stuck with it more or less to the end. And I always liked that show, and I thought that that when they rebooted it, I, I watched both seasons. It sort of worked for a while, but it kind of fell flat and it got a bit cheesy for me because it was just a continuation of like, you know, here's cigarette smoking, man, he's back again. And, you know, it, it just kind of, there were a couple of episodes which had its moment, but that show you had your one-off monster of the week episodes, but you also had your mythology with the big story arc of the UFOs. And it just felt like it got really bogged down again when when they sometimes 
it's a money grab. That's all yeah. it is. They yeah. want to be able to get the money that they maybe didn't get before. And so let's just say, okay, if you pay me enough, I'll be there. Yeah. Um, Cobra Kai, I love on, on Netflix. I mean, it started as YouTube. Now that's obviously a reboot from a movie franchise, but it, it's it's a lot of callbacks to the to the 80s. All the characters have come back. All the major characters have come back one way or the other. And you were ready for it because you did want to know what happened to them. What what actually did play out with all of that? Right. And who were bad turned out not to be bad. And people yeah. who were good turned out to be bad. So right. and it's just kind of funny. I mean, and, and there's a lot of cheesiness to it. A lot of 80s nostalgia. I mean, it's not. You know, this isn't a deep thinking show and it's a lot of karate and fighting, but it's just kind of a, a fun way. And they did they did say that this next season is going to be the final season that it, it it does feel like the show is kind of like getting a little bit long in the tooth. I think with these shorter um, uh, season calls where it's like 10 episodes, six episodes, whatever are more conducive to doing these kinds of shows. Right. Because you don't have to think, we have to fill 22 episodes. What are uh -huh. we going to do? Now, the one I, I truly hated, Murphy Brown. I love oh, Murphy God. Brown, the original. But the reboot, I, I don't even know if I made it through the whole reboot before it got canceled. And Charles Kimbrough died this week. So yeah. does, that, does that say anything? Um Actually, it was written by the woman who created it. But I right. think because she hadn't been keeping pace with what the business was like and how, you know, what used to be a 22-minute uh, episode is down to 16-minute episode. And you've got to make those beats very quickly. And then when people look old, I don't right. know that that's a good thing. I really don't. And I, you know, you don't need to be coming back as the character. Or if you are the character... Maybe make a guest appearance, but don't hang around. Yeah. I don't know. But I'm with you. Yeah. And and I think, you know, I read the New York Times article about Night Court and it actually referenced the Murphy Brown. And the the point that they made about the Night Court reboot and even the original is that it just it could kind of take place anywhere, right? It's it's night court. You're going to have the disorderlies coming through. You're going to have the public urinations coming through. You're going to have the the sex workers coming through. That doesn't change. But they, the the Murphy Brown concept, it's so timely, and it was kind of getting sucked into the politics of the moment. And you know what? For me, at least, I kind of want to escape some of that when I'm watching TV. I don't right. need to see you know Fox News or CNN constantly. You remember they were having a big squabble with um, Dan Quayle back in the mm -hmm. day, the original. Yeah. And that, you know, can you do that now? I don't right. know that you can because it's the world has changed so much that the idea that a, a sitcom is going to take on a real person, I don't know. And I, I question, it's like Barbara Walters. When you get to the point where you say, should she be on TV? And I think that would be the case with uh, Murphy Brown. Wouldn't she have been retired if you were realistic about all this, that right. she wouldn't be trying to reboot some kind of bad network or do whatever, and that you would get the same people back. I could see, like I say, bringing her back, right. but surrounding her with new people, but to bring yeah. her back, no. No, it, it just never worked. It's all you want to do is see how they look. That's all exactly. you want to do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one more I'll throw at you, uh, and this is kind of, 
I'll call it my favorite reboot, but it wasn't a reboot, but it was Seinfeld. So if you remember season they seven, said they would never do it. Right. Right. Season seven of Curb Your Enthusiasm, the entire story arc is the, you know, like reunion special of Seinfeld and Jerry comes back and Elaine comes back and Kramer comes back. They're all back. And, and pretty much every main character from the original show who was alive made a cameo of some sort and they brought it all the way to the table read and they had the door and they brought the setback and they modernized it a, a bit because of course Jerry's not going to have the same couch and the same paint job in his apartment uh you know 20 years later but it was the most Seinfeld way possible to do a Seinfeld reunion without doing an actual Seinfeld reunion and it worked and it did Larry David was a part of that. So it makes sense to do that, you know? And now look at how big he is. The idea that he was behind the scenes all those years. And now he's, whatever he wants to do a curb, he can do a curb. Yeah. And curb to me is in a sense, it is a reboot of Seinfeld because Larry David, he was a co-creator with Jerry Seinfeld. The show was loosely based on his own life and Jerry's life. The George character is Larry David. Right. And the Curb Your Enthusiasm is just an exaggeration on reality. So it's kind of this fun way of still doing callbacks to Seinfeld without doing Seinfeld. And with uh, Curb, they get to do a lot of ad-libbing. That's right. what's kind of fun about that. Whereas I think Jerry was very scripted. Correct. It was very down to the, you know, comma. And you knew yeah. They were doing whatever, but those are classics that shouldn't be touched. And if you want to see them, they're there. You can watch them. It's like, I love Lucy. You know, I love Lucy still holds up. If you still watch those old, old, old black and white episodes, they're still funny and you'll still laugh. And then Lucy decided, well, I got to make some money on my own and I don't have Desi and all these other people. And so she did very hybrids of these things until it got to the point where Mm, maybe we shouldn't have because it ruins the it mars the original thing that was so great and that's why i think it's great not to touch seinfeld beyond this this is good this was yeah. a good way to do it and none of those people need the money they were making right. huge seinfeld money i right. think it, it was like hundreds of thousands of dollars you know right and millions a year yeah so i mean do they need the money they do not need the money no. Although no. I would, you, Julia Louis Dreyfus, I would like to see her come back with a Veep thing because even though they ended her life in the end of that, she is, this is such a time for Veep. It's like unreal. Everything that <laughs> they did in Veep is happening. It's happening again. All right. So, any, uh, do, you, do you have any other uh, reboots or uh, on your mind that, that you've either enjoyed or hated? or want to even see because I am always trying to look for something that's fresh and different. I really hate that wallow that ends up where you go back and look at something. And with this, like uh, when Roseanne came back, it was okay. It was okay. But when they then tried to morph it into the Connors, I think it had, I think you need Roseanne. And even though they had a big fight and all that, I can't watch that show. I have a real problem with it. And so, yeah, I don't know if I would be the right person to ask about that because it's nostalgia. You want to feel a, 
the comfort that you felt when you were watching those shows. And I don't, and I don't like when they pull in somebody else to recreate somebody. Like for example, they did Three's Company and they picked three kids today. That show is so sexist and, and ageist and everyist you can think of. it couldn't work. But when you watch it in the, its time period, you go, well, that was the 70s. So I guess it's okay. Um, but it is weird to see that stuff. And it's a money thing. It's a pure money thing. Do you remember when they had a writer's strike and they didn't have, they couldn't use writers. So what they did was they took old scripts and redid the old scripts. Now, come on, really? This is what we're doing? <laughs> but that was their way of trying to call their bluff and still have content. I don't know that they could do that today because too many shows. Yeah. They call it peak TV. We have way too many shows. It's like close to 600 new shows a year. Wow, that's incredible. That's a lot. The the only show that I, I did kind of think like it could, it, it's sort of along a, light, a night court where you could bring it back because it's sort of timeless and it doesn't have to live in, in the moment of its time. But it might be fun as just a one-off in this kind of post-COVID world we live in is what happened to the bar at cheers you know like did it survive covid is is sam still owning it did it get taken over by some like corporate overlords and now it's an applebee's they could go back and visit that that would be fun i don't know if they'll try that with fraser because you know fraser is being rebooted exactly. and they are setting it there and there could be an opportunity for him to go back to the bar so they are going to move it to to boston then yes they're not going to be in Seattle. That I knew, but I hadn't seen where they might relocate it. So, yeah. so who knows if they don't knock on the door of Cheers? That might be fun. All right. Well, let's, uh, I guess, let's kick over to your interview with Lacrita. So do you want to set that up? Yeah. Well, Lacrita is, she plays the bailiff on the show. And, you know, they've had a long line of those. Selma Diamond, Marsha right. Warfield, Richard Mall, And it's a good go-to character. I found her the funniest of all the people on that new reboot. Mm -hmm. I really did. And I didn't know who she was. I thought she could have been in a number of different shows because, you know, there's always the sassy black woman. That's right. usually what they write in. Now this will be played by a sassy black woman. And when I saw Lacrita do it, I didn't think she was playing on those you know, okay, now I got to do this and I got to roll my eyes at this point. I thought she was giving us something really fresh and original. And when I had the opportunity to pick somebody from Night Court, I said, oh, it's got to be Lacrita. I want to know about her. Who is she? What has she been doing? And how did she get to Night Court? And we had the best time together. I thought she was lots of fun. And you'll find out that she's a Broadway actress who has had... Um, an experience there. I mean, she she starred in the, the Broadway musical Disaster and was in the National Touring Company of the Book of Mormon. She's done a lot of stuff, but she realized that Broadway was a little confining. And isn't that interesting? And so she wanted to try something different. And her friend said, you got to go for it. And I said, well, what'd your family say? She says, you know, sometimes your friends are your better family. And they're the ones who let you know, go for it, try it. So now she says, well, and you'll you'll hear, you'll hear what she has to say about going back to Broadway. Um, it's it's fascinating, but she's a lot of fun. You would love her. She is not blonde like she's on the show. She now has her regular color hair, but she said, who knows what can happen? I could change my color back the next week. There we are. You steal the show. 
you absolutely steal the show. And I just, what is the secret to that? What is the trick? I don't try to. Is that it? I think so. Uh, I grew up um, doing children's theater and children can be very unforgiving when you're trying too hard. So, you know, I just release and have fun with my scene partner and trust the script and trust myself. And I guess it's working out okay. <laughs> well, and you're new to this world. Fairly new. I've done a couple of projects, but as far as entire season, yeah, yeah, very new to that. What did what did that teach you? What did that What did you learn from like going into this whole thing? Well, the beautiful thing about it is, prior to this, I did a single cam dramedy, and I was saying to myself, you know, this is very out of your element because everyone's so quiet, and you drop a punchline and there's nothing. And you're just like, oh, I think that was terrible. And then you watch the playback and you, you kind of gauge of what you need to add a little more energy into or take energy away. But with this, we were in front of a live studio audience. So even from rehearsal days and pre-tapes, like the crew and the cast that wasn't on got to laugh. So you could, and that was more of where I came from, from, from the stage. So is that, was that the trick? Is that you have an audience and that I can play to that audience and they'll respond to me? Correct, correct. And it wasn't, it wasn't um, as new nuanced as it was doing single cam and then also you know we weren't running the scene into the ground because we did three or four takes and we, we got it because we've got four cameras going at the same time so we didn't have to, we didn't get uh micromanaged how familiar were you with night court were you a fan in the day or were you like eh. <laughs> i was definitely a fan um i was the kind of child who watched are you being served and keeping up appearances and um as time goes by and patty duke show and um ozzy and harriet so that's where my my comedy comes from is a more classic take on things but then i love vaudeville i love restoration comedy so i love the pratfalls and the door slams and so that's i think that really lend to gerg's being so quirky and weird and stepping in that kind of uh, the history yeah. of all those other ones. Did you did you see anything in what they did that you said, oh, I can bring this to this? Yeah, she's very weird, but yet very grounded um, and has her no-nonsense uh, moment. So I, I, for me, she's such a blend of our last two bailiffs that we had, because in the first and second um, seasons, unfortunately, we lost those two fine actresses. Um, so to have... Uh, not necessarily be the child of of Roz and of Bull, but to be an echo sure. back to both of them. Sure. It, it, how difficult is it doing, though, a sitcom? Is that... Because, you know, when you're doing a stage show, mm -hmm. it's one show. Yeah. You memorize one show, and then you just do it until it dies. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yes. But when you're doing a sitcom, it, the next week we're with a new one. Mm -hmm. I was afraid coming in because memorization is not my strong suit. Um, and thankfully, you know, we've got like 30, 40 pages that we need to, need to memorize. So it wasn't as daunting as I had put in front of myself. But then also we've got the time to play. We've got room to play. And uh, our writers learn us so skillfully that they... As, as the season went on and we were shooting more and more and we got to the 10th or 11th episode, then it, it, it was more natural. So memorizing it wasn't so bad because this is the way that we talk. Yeah. Yeah. Did you bring a, your own kind of backstory for her? Did you create something or did they have something written out and so you could, oh, okay, all right, that's where that comes from. Yeah, her breakdown was pretty thorough. Um, and then just the way that she talked and the way that she thought about things and responded to things, then I was like, I just need to just know my foundation, know my lines, and just listen and respond. Well then, 
do we ever get her out of a uniform? <laughs> yes. I, I know it might be easier, just I'm wearing the same thing every week. Right. I know what I'm going. Right. But I kept thinking, is there a home life that we see? Do we find out anything more about what she's up to? Yeah, we're definitely going to see her out of uniform. And okay. that's going to be great. And your hair is different. My hair is a little bit different, but Does hair that changes. Ch- will that change though during the whole course we'll, of things or we'll not? See, not in this first season. It will be the iconic blonde. And then, you know, women change their hair all the time. So we'll Was that see. your choice? This was mine for me. Just on my off time. So I could give my hair a break and a hair is, is delicate so especially they wanted blonde we never really had the conversation of what was wanted it's just that's how I came in and that's what we went with okay yeah working with John who yeah. kind of has this history here with the and speaking of John uh-huh. uh, this history uh, with the show yeah do you ask him questions about the old show or do you say mm, no I, I give him his space um, as far as like whatever he offers up and he offers up so much that I, that's enough like I'll, I could just sit and listen to his stories for hours and hours and hours and um, as I was doing research for my costuming and jewelry options and things I, I would show him pictures that I found of Roz or of Marsha Warfield and he would be like and he would just tell me a story about this episode and this episode and I was like oh I love the episode where she taught you how to ballroom dance and he was like oh yeah and then that would spiral out into a story oh, so great. I I we we got to spend a lot of time together and I love how approachable he is um, he plays uh, chess with cap they talk about literature in between so we are always talking to each other and sometimes that's not the case in some cast so I'm incredibly blessed to have his family were you thinking that I will always be a stage actress and I'll never do television or was that I want to try everything or mm-hmm. how did that I thought I was going to be a, a Broadway darling for the rest of my life, especially once disaster hit and it seemed to be a success and that was my debut. Um, I thought that was going to parlay itself into more and more Broadway shows. And But the thing about that world is that we live in archetypes and unfortunately um, my archetype is one thing and I am capable of doing more things and uh, I find in film and television that I'm allowed to be other types than just the big black woman. That you're not singing. That might happen at some point, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I found that kind of strange. And yeah. I thought, well, they've got to get her singing at some yeah. point in this. But you know you know that it's there, and you know that at some point it will come out, but I don't need to. And that's the beautiful thing about it, is that I've got the chops to be able to just do some straight acting and do some amazing things that I hadn't gotten to do as far as plays are concerned in New York. I wanted to do plays, and, and I still want to do more stage, because that's where my heart is. I love that um, immediate response from our other character who is the audience I love that so that'll never leave and you started like so many actors where you go on the road yeah and did you think at that point I might be going on the road all the time I was okay with that oh you were especially yeah I mean I was in the first national tour so our schedule was gravy like we we had at least two weeks (laughs) in every city so we got a time to have a bit of a routine and at the longest we were there for like three months I think we did three months in Toronto three months in San Francisco so we really got to kind of settle from time to time and then we would have our two weekers and two weekers and two weekers there and we had a few one weekers that was you never got down to one night did you no gosh no split weeks for us that I I mean and I tip my hat to people who do that because you don't get to rest your body doesn't get to rest and then you you come into a new town and you sleep for as long as you can and then you get up and you do it all over again and sometimes that's your two show day and it's really hard on your body if I could do first national tours for the rest of my life I would have because I do love traveling well you know when do you say to yourself 
I think I've made it. I think that this is a career. I don't have to think about doing something else. I think it's now. Really? Yeah. I, I'm i just so content. And I remember when I was younger, like I prayed for success. And I just kind of left it at that. And for me, I thought that success would be um, enough money to pay your bills and have a little bit of spending money. So that happened. And as the years have gone by, uh, I noticed a friend had posted on Instagram, you know, everything that you prayed for here it is you have it now and i was like i didn't pray to be in a movie i didn't pray to do this that and the other but here i am wow and uh you know i'm i'm grateful and i love surprises and this is the most beautiful surprise that i've ever gotten in my life and um i'm grateful uh but i'm level-headed about it and i hope that we go on for nine or ten seasons that would be great but realistically you know i i just want to have health insurance be able to pay my bills and have a little bit of money to play with was there anybody in the business that you looked up to that you said this is my role model this is one i should try to pattern myself after absolutely um kevin chamberlain i talked to him a lot over the course of, of of disaster um keisha who was the original um oh my goodness uh what is the name of that character in uh um oh i just blanked i can see the cover so clearly Oh my goodness. I called her. She was doing the reboot for Mad About You. Um, and I called her for some direction towards the end of Disaster. I called her um, because I was concerned and I had thought that I was going to leave the business. Uh, and do what? I didn't know. Oh. And I think that's why I stayed was because I was too broke to leave New York <laughs> and too um, unequipped to do anything else. I and mean, I have a master's degree, but you know, then I have to get a job at a university and I've been out of, I haven't been training or, or, or learning about the voice in what, 10 years by then, like no one's going to hire me to teach at their college. So, you know, you, you need to decide. And it wasn't because I wasn't booking anything. I was working. It's just that, um, the environment was a bit more toxic than I wanted. And it's so refreshing to be with Melissa and to be with John because they are the kind of leaders they've been on so many sets and so many sets that were toxic that they were like we're not going to have that here sure and we want you to feel heard and seen and happy and comfortable because that's how we're going to create beautiful art what surprised you then about getting into this this part of the business how cool everybody was oh really how chill everybody was you know yes we have a schedule and we got to get this done and we need to do these things but like there wasn't the cattiness sometimes in your dressing room because everyone has their own space so you can do this amazing art together and then you can take your time for yourself so that you can stay grounded and sane and then we come back together and we play and sometimes that doesn't even happen sometimes we just find ourselves just chatting and having lunch together that's a sign of a, of a great environment to work and, and create so it probably helps you in that you've probably heard those stories about those who i'm getting more laughs than the star of the show mm-hmm. and they're going to be cutting my lines you know, and I mean, I can give you names of ones mm-hmm. who, who have fallen into that. Mm-hmm. And you think, God, I don't want that to happen. I don't want to look like I'm overstepping or that I'm not a team player. Yeah, I think you have to surround yourself with people who are pouring into you as much as you pour into them to keep you grounded and level-headed. Um, we've definitely, with Cap and I, we've grown pretty close over the course of this process. Um, and he'll call me, I'm like, 
Lupita, da, 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 da. And I'm like, yeah, boo, you got this. You got this. You know exactly what you're doing. You booked it. So that's, you won as far as that is concerned. And no one's going to take anything away from you. Like, we have great direction. We've got great leadership. And you know that you can always go to them if you're unsure. And I appreciate you for coming to me because you don't have to do that. Um, so we really have a great trust for each other. And we trust our show as well. When, when you started getting those huge laughs, mm-hmm. Did people say things? Did they say, oh my God, next week she's adding, we're getting more lines for her. No, no one said it to my face and I appreciate that because that's not my intention. My intention is not to steal anything, quote unquote, steal anything from anybody. It's just that um, it is what it is. I mean, my name is Lacrita. My name means light. And so there is a glow, there is a, a draw about me that's just inert and inherent what has it always been just go by one name no when i first started i wanted to be just i just wanted to be lacrita i'm sure but i didn't oh no god (laughs) not right now (laughs) not right now but i'm definitely working hard to be somewhere in that orbit um but i i didn't ask questions and i assumed that because lashawn's was sure. LaShawn's that I could not be Lucrita because they were similar. They're not. They weren't. But instead of asking questions to see if I could just go by Lucrita, I didn't. And so I went by Lucrita Nicole for the longest. But then when I made my Broadway de- debut in Disaster, um, I forgot to do it before we did the show. And then after, when I booked my first TV thing, I was like, I'm just going to drop it. I'm just gonna drop it because I don't like seeing Nicole in my costumes. Because then I'm like, who's Nicole and who's Chloe? <laughs> so I like seeing Lacrita in my stuff. Sure. Oh, so. that's so great. Yeah, and no one calls me Miss Nicole because that's weird. So, what does your family think about all this? Um, you know, my family dynamic is a lot of found family. Okay. And they are over the moon because they know how hard I've worked. And that's not to say that my blood family doesn't feel the same way. But um, we have our lives and we're living them. And um, I have talked to a couple of my cousins and they're very excited. Unfortunately, my mother passed away in 2011, um, but I feel her. I've never sure. stopped feeling her. So I know how she's just tickled, tickled up oh, there. Oh, I, I can imagine, <laughs> I can imagine. Then when you look at, you know, if you thought, gee, I'm gonna have to go teach at some point. Mm-hmm. Now the sky is opening for you. Correct. What would it, would it be? I'd be the star of a show. Would it be I would be in films? I would be starring on Broadway. You know, and that's such a screw job. Right. When you get to Broadway, and then they say, "Well, we really want somebody with a bigger name." Right. And so they go get somebody from TV, and you exactly. think, "Wait a minute, what I is know." This? Well, and I, I always I joke to myself, and now people are going to know this because I'm going to say it out loud. Is that they 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 that's a missed opportunity. They should have got me while I was cheap. <laughs> I'm not going to be cheap anymore. Oh, you have no. to pay me. And you I'm just, only going to do six shows a week, too. I'm not doing eight anymore. I'm I would tired. like somebody else to do the matinees for me, yes, please. please. We're not doing the, that, right? And I, I don't want to get up early in the morning for anything. No, not at all. Oh, I need my rest. I'm so proud of you. That is Thank so great. Because honest to God, you did pop for me on this show. Mm-hmm. As soon as I watched And what's nice is that you're working with people who have been supporting actors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they know what that place is like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then to see you just kind of shine mm-hmm. was the coolest thing ever. Thank you. So I'm counting on you not to be so snobby. Oh, in never. The future, I, when mm-hmm. you are like so huge, you <laughs> won't talk to me. You go, no. 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 I, I, I don't come from that stock. I'm you promise very, me? I promise. Okay, I promise. well, congratulations. <laughs> Thank, Thank you so you. much. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. This is lovely. 
All right, Bruce, thanks a lot for that interview. It was it was a fun, fun discussion, fun conversation with Lacrita. Feel free to let us know what you thought of have you have you watched Night Court? Uh, what do you think of reboots in general? Let us know. Give us an email at podcasts at lee.net. A link will also be in the show notes. Let us know what you think. And this is the week for us to watch what happens at the Super Bowl. That's right. Will you be tuning in? Who do you want to win? I don't care. I don't Perfect. I want Rihanna to win because I, I always wait for the halftime show. That's my favorite. Commercials and halftime show. That's what I'm tuning in for. That's it. That's it. And eating. That's, That's always, right. it's my reason for eating. And I That's don't right. need to have to justify it to anybody. Have a great week. See something good and stream something good.